Hey, 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 and welcome to Insurance Town. I'm the Mayor Heath Sheeran and the host of this podcast. Today, I am super pumped about this episode because we've got my main man, Lorenzo, coming into the show. He wrote us a book about the insurance industry that is not your typical book. It is a fictional book with fictional characters. It is a satire. And when he talked to me about this book, I wanted to let him come on and talk about it. Because uh, it's something that doesn't sound like it's been done before. It was very interesting, and I was fascinated. And I know um, the the author uh, well, and I really think it's going to be a unique perspective. So I want you to be able to hear about it. So this episode is sponsored by my friends over at Smart Choice, Canopy Connect, and Cover Desk. I want you to check them out. Go to their websites. Go find them on LinkedIn and uh twitter or facebook or any of the you know platforms and uh, check them out let them know that the mayor sent you and get your discount get your demos um anything like that they're all amazing companies let's uh, get into today's show lorenzo detanti came on to talk about his book called flushy uh, i think you're really going to enjoy it Sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Lorenzo DeTonte. Lorenzo, what's happening, my friend? Really appreciate you having me on the podcast. How's life? Man, life is really, really good. I am super interested in getting into this book. I, I haven't read a satire on the insurance industry yet, so... I'm interested to get into this and some of these characters and, and the, the the product or the flushy is what it is. So uh, talk to me first. Instead of going down memory lane, I have an idea. Let's tell me about the blob. The blob. Okay, great. So when I was in, uh, it was like second or third grade, I wrote this story called The Blob. And The Blob was basically just a really short story about a uh, sack lunch that my mom made me. And it basically mutated over time, like the fungus mutated the sandwich into a monster that went around eating people. So the, the irony of like the sandwich eating the person as opposed to the person eating the sandwich. And I used a couple words in there. Uh, and my vocabulary is not phenomenal, to be honest. But at, at the time, I was watching a lot of movies and I picked up some, some terms like grotesque, vile. Um, and my second grade teacher at the time thought, this was not your writing. And I asked her why, and she's like, well, because I know you're writing, and this is not your writing. Did your mom write this for you? And I was so offended, but it was kind of like this badge of honor at the same time. And my mom just like called the school and chewed them out. And, blah, blah, blah. How could you think that my son didn't write this? And, you know, his very nice Italian mom just going to bat for me and defending me at the time. And ever since then, I, I fell in love with writing. And I don't know if it was out of spite or just it motivated me because it was kind of like, oh, okay, so she thinks my writing is actually fairly decent, obviously, because she thought that it was far above what I could uh, produce. And, and ever since then, I've always had this urge to write short stories, um, little essays, and I finally decided to tackle a full novel. And it took me about three years <laughs> to get there. But, um, you know, I finally finished it last month in April. Couldn't be happier. So one of the words that you referenced that you used was amorphous. 
Yeah. I'm 41 years old. I don't even know what that word means. How does a second grader know? And, and go ahead and give me the definition of amorphous. Holy moly. Um, at the time, it was, it was in a movie. I forgot what the movie was that I was watching. I probably shouldn't have been watching at the time, though. I think it was... Oh, man. It, it might have been... Killer Tomatoes from Mars. I, for, I forgot the yeah. movie. I was going to ask you if that was the movie it might have been from. Yeah, it, so. it, was, it was one of those movies on the sci-fi channel, and I was like in second or third grade. <laughs> it was this big amorphous, like I forgot, I forgot the, what they were using it as. But to, to be honest with you, I don't know what it means today. I, I think it means uh, basically like an amalgamation or a collection of or something like that. Uh, <laughs> okay. I just thought it sounded like a cool word to describe this sandwich that was, you know, collectively getting bigger over time and then eating people. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, so Lorenzo, let's, let's talk about, okay. So that second grade teacher, did yeah. you dedicate this book to that woman? I did that? not. <laughs> I did not. I, I should have retrospectively, I should have thinking, thinking back at it. Um, but I didn't. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. So, um, did you, you know, did you write all through high school and college? Did you write for the, the journalism team or the, the yearbook or the newspaper at school or anything like that? So I, I didn't. Um, I worked on a screenplay, though, in college, and it was for a sci-fi movie. And it was called The Riveting. Okay. So it was about a uh, government experiment gone wrong where they dumped some chemicals in a river in Louisiana and it mutated these frogs into giant killer frogs you know, the, the riveting, so to speak. And the frogs go around eating people. Kind of like, think of uh, maybe like Sharknado or Lake Placid, but with frogs was the idea. And um, I just, I, I've always loved to write little things here and there, but nothing nothing official, unfortunately, until until Flushy. Until Flushy. Okay. So uh, Flushy came about, you know, and, and tell me, we're going to get into this book a little bit because I find it fascinating because, you know, I have noticed you know, in real world, you know, the last 10 years really has been an emergence of the insured tech and what it's meant to our industry. And I say this a lot on my podcast and, you know, that 10 years ago, maybe even eight years ago, um, we were scared of the insured techs. And, yeah. and we thought as an independent insurance agency force, uh, whether you're a carrier or an agent, we thought, are these insured techs going to take over and they're going to replace us? And yeah. You know, obviously it's proved to be otherwise, and now they're running alongside us. But what's your experience in the insure tech world? Is that something you've always been fascinated with? Or have you worked alongside any insure tech carriers? Or talk to me about that. Sure. It's always fascinated me to see disruption in any industry, especially the insurance industry. Our industry is, is very archaic. And to see these new disruptors come in has been fascinating. You know, the resistance at first, the denial at first. Um, there's two types of insure tech. There's insure tech that's meant to amplify independent agents and help them. And then there's insure tech that's there to get rid of them. So there's, there, there's two kind of diametrically opposed types of insure tech. And, and just like you seeing this emergence about seven, eight, nine years ago, it's been incredibly interesting. And I think our industry is in dire need of change. But to say that independent agents will go away, I think is kind of a laughable proposition or to think in the claims some of these insure techs make that, you know, there's a conflicted interest between agents and clients and insurance companies. And 
you know, it, it, it's, is there a conflict of interest when an attorney works on contingency? No, there's not, right? There's just different ways of doing things. But I think our industry is very unique in that we sell a product that no one ever wants to use. And that makes it a very interesting kind of dynamic because the best case scenario for you as a consumer is that you never have to use a product you're paying for. And I've always found that to be a, a really interesting kind of take on it. And there's no industry really like that. Yeah, I, I think you're you're 100 accurate on that, and you know it's one of those things that it, it, it was a joke when I was selling insurance of I hope you never have to use this, but <laughs> you know it was one of those things that we would say and, and they yeah. would get a little chuckle out of it, but there is some irony in that that we sell yeah. the product that we don't want them to use because it'll affect our loss ratio or it will make us have to go through extra steps or jump through extra hoops to please them, but at the end of the day that's what we're here for, you know, yeah. and that's where we can shine as a superhero, so to speak, and say, okay, we're going to be there for you in your darkest hour. Yeah. So um, I, I do, I think that's interesting. I, I appreciate you saying that. And, you know, it's also one of those things that, you know, I get frustrated with, and I would imagine, Lorenzo, you do as well, that when I hear agents that I you know, talk to on a daily basis, and you probably do as well, that say the old phrase of, it's the way it's always been done. <laughs> yeah. Is that... That's got to be something that you hear as well. And as we talk insure tech, get into the book. Is that something that uh, that you hear a lot? And and how do you um, how do you relate to people, or how do you advise people on that? Yeah, and, and I, I couldn't agree more. That's something we hear constantly, and it's something doing my research for this book. That again, talking to agents, talking to people in the insure tech space, the, the old ways of doing things are being challenged, like never before in the insurance industry. And and part of that for me was, okay, how do I make that into a satire? And it was really where it started was like a fish out of water, dark comedy, right? So take an old school insurance guy and throw him into one of these tech firms with a bunch of young people who are um, technologically savvy and he is not per se, right? So take the old way of doing things and throw it in the new way of doing things, put that in a box, shake it up. And, and that, that in essence is why I wrote the book to explore that. Um, it's really an interesting juxtaposition when you think about it. You take that old school relationship, this is the way things are always done mentality, and spice it up and throw it into one of these like really tech savvy forward insurance companies. And I thought that would just be a hilarious situation. Uh, hopefully it is when you read it. But yeah, it's, you know, this is the old way of doing things. This is a relationship business. These are, these are kind of monikers that we hear all the time in our industry. And to some extent, I don't think that's ever going to go away, but it's going to rapidly change and, and it's going to narrow down for what the value is there. And I think there will always be a spot for independent agents, no matter what, but the direct channels growing so quickly and these insure tech channels are growing so quickly that it's pretty clear that that relationship is going to dwindle down as far as what the market share looks like, those relationship-focused uh, agents. But like any profession, you know, you want a doctor that you could trust. You want a real estate agent that you could trust. You want a lawyer that you could trust. You know, what does that look like over time? It's rapidly going to change how independent agents interact with clients and insurance carriers in the future, but I don't think it'll go away, but it's, it's definitely going to change. And to see these companies that are completely solely myopically focused on destroying that relationship business, I think is really interesting. Um, 
do I support that? Not necessarily, but I, I think it's definitely interesting to explore in a book. So. Yeah, no, I, I do too. And I'm, I'm, like I said, I, I can't wait to get into it. But before we do, I do, you mentioned research for the book. Yeah. Uh, I guess before we get into that, uh, satire is, is definitely something that uh, you know, a lot of people can relate to and definitely get into. Is it something that you're a fan of certain shows that, or TV shows or movies that inspired the type of writing? Maybe you're an Office fan yeah. or maybe you get into um, you were an old Monty Python fan or something like that. Was there something that inspired you in that or something that inspired the satire style of writing? Yeah, there, there's a book I read when I was 16 or 17 like right around there. And it was called Jennifer Government. I think the author was Max Berry. Phenomenal book. And it's a, it's a dark satire on corporate America. And I think the genre of, of satire in corporate America has always really interested me, especially working in corporate America, because you, you see these things play out where people would think what you're going through is satire, even when it's reality. <laughs> it, it just, it, the preposterous situations that you, you encounter working in corporate America where people say these, these words that I don't even think they understand half the time. And a lot of those words I was able to integrate in the book. But yeah, Monty Python, definitely big influence on me. Watched that when I was probably like 12 or 13, um, you know, my adolescence and a lot of satire in general. I think it just makes for such a fun reading experience compared to maybe more serious books, right? So you take a serious topic and you poke fun at it. And, and for me, I always found that to be incredibly interesting. <laughs> Yeah, no, I agree. And while I personally, and my audience is probably going to shoot me right now or turn this off, but I've never been a fan of The Office. However, obviously, it has done smashing, you know, yeah. and it's all over syndication and it's yeah. all over memes still today. And it hadn't been on air in years, but it's obviously, you know, done well. So was there some, you know, correlation there with, you know, some of those characters maybe at all? Did you watch The Office? Were you a fan of that show? Uh, fan of The Office. Haven't watched it in quite some time. I think the, the characters in this book are partially people that I've met in real life, but way over-exaggerated those people to the point where they're unrecognizable, right? So everything starts with like an initial inspiration of who is this person? Okay, now how do I pull that lever all the way down and take the most ridiculous aspects of that person's personality and amplify those to the nth degree and, and make it a really extreme characterization of that person. Um, and, and a lot of the characters are combinations of people. Like I'll take parts of certain people that I really like interacting with and I'll make that into a certain character. Um, but yeah, I think as far as the office goes, that, that was definitely some inspiration for even writing this book, I would say, because that, and I think Ricky Gervais spent like 10 years in banking and that's how he formulated the basis for the office. And for me, I wanted to do that for insurance. You know, it's like I've worked in the insurance industry for some time now and I, I wanted to take those experiences or experiences that I've heard from other people or, or stories that I've heard from other people and shape that into, into a book and explore a bunch of different questions in the book. And I think... The, the two questions I really wanted to explore were, what would you do for your dream job? Like, that's the main question I wanted to explore in the book. Like, what would you do? And then what would you do to keep it? You know, what are you willing to ignore, ethically speaking? What are you willing to do? Like, how far are you willing to go? And I think 
ethics is very situational overall, right? If you throw a half a million dollar salary in front of someone, they're going to want to keep it. <laughs> they're going to do a lot to keep it in theory. Um, so exploring a very principled person initially, and his name is Mike Allen in the book, uh, that's the main character, and he, he's extremely principled. And then have him go through these situations where his principles are tested and to see the evolution of that as he, he kind of climbs that corporate ladder, I thought would be really, really interesting to explore. And I think that everyone's got a number, right? There's a number of money that you could throw at someone to where they're going to change as a person. Like they're willing to do things they may have not been willing to do or justify certain things or rationalize certain things that maybe they weren't willing to do before. Um, in fiction, at least. I don't know if that's real life, but I think in fiction, that, that's a really fun concept to explore. Yeah, I, I do. I do agree. And I, I, I think that, you know, I also want to know, again, um, as we build up to the book a little bit, I'm fascinated to know, were you concerned at all with accuracy with the insurance industry and making sure that some of the things you're talking about, you know, can almost feel like you're reading something that's real life or something that's more fact than fiction. Yeah. So that, that's the challenge with satire, <laughs> um, especially corporate satire, because it could seem like, oh, this is what I experience in my day-to-day -day life. <laughs> you know, I experience that all the time. Um, so you it's a fine line. You have to really figure out, okay, the importance of satire is making sure that it's obvious that it's not reality. But it could seem like reality because it's corporate satire. And this guy's going through the corporate ladder and, and you see him effectively, and I, I call it in the book, he uh, sells his soul to the company toilet bowl, right? Because Fleshy, their logo is a big toilet bowl. <laughs> um, and, and I think, yeah, you're 100% right. It's, it's really about striking and, and balancing and writing that line of, okay, what's, what's real and what's not? And I wanted to be as accurate as possible. So people who work in the insurance industry could really empathize with this character. And that was part of doing the research and talking to people and, you know, what, what are the common, what's a common lingo in the industry right now? Like what, uh, what corporate buzzwords are in the vernacular of people? What are they throwing around now? Um, like capable word, like cadence and, and silly terms like that are thrown around all the time. And I, I really wanted to have a realistic feel, but the understanding that the story is so absurd and so <laughs> kind of grandiose that it's obviously satire still. But it's also relatable in the sense, as you mentioned earlier, that, um, you know, you wanted to make it seem accurate and the fact of you could relate to it, like I yeah. said, relatable, but at the same time realizing it's ridiculously um, <laughs> satire. So exactly. And so yeah. I find that, again, I find that fascinating. Um, and so in, in your research, again, you went back and you were trying to figure out some of those words and some of those buzzwords. And, and again, some of those buzzwords, you know, I, I didn't know if you ran across any, you know, and I'll, I'll play a little game with you. Um, did data come up as one of those buzzwords? Yeah, yeah. data-driven decision-making um, is a big, a big kind of concept term people throw around now. We want to make data-driven decisions, even when they don't, but they just want to sound like they're doing it. <laughs> so that's, that's a big term. Uh, cadence was a really big one. Bandwidth, like this person doesn't have the bandwidth to take on additional task loads at this time. And I, I wanted to really... <laughs> Get those really annoying corporate terms in there, right? Where people and can just read it and laugh. Efficiency, efficiency, yeah, scalability. 
right. um, all these terms. <laughs> yeah. So again, I appreciate you playing along with me. Uh, there was one other one I was going to do, but it may come up later. But I hear, oh, uh, integration. Did that one integration? Come up? Super important that we integrate all of this multifaceted <laughs> work, uh, work stream, upstream, downstream. Yeah. The, the <laughs> it seems to me that, and it, it seems to me that the, the upper tiers of corporate America listen to sophisticated podcasts, you know, with like scientists and that's not my cup of tea, but it seems like they pick up like a really important <laughs> sounding word and they take that word and run with it and it translates down through the ranks of a company to the point where like your frontline leaders are using these fancy words and you're like, dude, I'm just, <laughs> I'm a frontline worker, man. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> what are we talking about here? Like, just, just speak to me plainly. You know, that's how I like to be spoken to and um, I, I kind of wrote the book in that way too. Yeah, I think that uh, that's you know that's going to be relatable because I think you're going to have readers that are going to, like you said, you're going to read this and feel yeah. like, oh my gosh, is this guy watching me? Or you know, <laughs> yeah. is Lorenzo in my office? Because there's so much of that. Yeah. And especially pre-COVID, we were all in each other's offices and yeah. going to each other's yeah. cubicles, and we were, you know, checking in. I also think back to this. Just hit me. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Office Space. Mm, me you too. watch that movie? Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. Love as, it. as soon as I think of uh, the office or think of cubicles and satire, yeah. I think of Lumberg and Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to need mm. you to stay. Uh, yeah, anyhow. I need you to come in on set. <laughs> right? So, <laughs> anyhow, I don't want to get off on Office Space because that could be a lot of fun. Yeah. But um, so let's, um, you know, let's get into the book a little bit. Tell me. Okay. Sure. So, it is based on an insured tech carrier. Uh, start from there and tell me, you know, and I don't want to give away a whole, whole lot, but I do want to give us the, the premise and, and talk about it a little bit so we can uh, entice people to go read this book. Yeah. Flushy is. So the name of the company is Flushy. Yeah. The name of the company is Flushy. <laughs> and the idea is you don't want to, <clears throat> my grandma used to say this all the time. And she used to say that um, some people float to the top. Some people sink to the bottom, but in the end, we all get flushed. And that's the, the corporate motto of Flushy. And the idea is people are flushing their money down the toilet, shopping with other carriers. So come shop with Flushy. And that's kind of like their, their co corporate cool lingo. And, you know, all these insure tech companies and, and tech companies have these funny names. So I'm like, what's a funny name? I'm like, well, if I'm going to go with the idea of, <clears throat> you know, a toilet bowl representing a company, which I, I found hysterical to begin with, it needs to be toilet related. So Flushy is where that, that name came from. And also finding a, a company name that doesn't exist yet is incredibly challenging because you don't want to write a book about, you know, like McDonald's or something that already exists. So that, that was tough in itself to come up with a name that didn't exist yet <clears throat> to, you know, not offend anybody unintentionally. But yeah, it's, it's an allegory of perseverance and it follows a character. His name's Mike Allen, generic name that I found, you know, just thought of. And it, it's a satire around Mike Allen's journey. He's a, he's a young, money-hungry insurance agent. He starts in the insurance agency space from the lowest of lows and works his way up to the highest of highs. So this guy starts in the San Fernando Valley in California. If you're not familiar with the San Fernando Valley, that's what people commonly refer to in California and the LA area as, quote-unquote, the valley. That's the San Fernando Valley. Um, he starts in like a rundown insurance agency in the valley and it's it's basically just in this small little you know 2000 square foot office with like 20 guys in it. it hasn't been updated in like 30 years and they do everything the old school way right the relationship way 
And there's a lot of good stuff that he learns by going through like a school of hard knocks from like cold calling clients and works his way up to, to be a decent insurance broker and then finds an easy way out. He finds this, this golden kind of path to Flushy and they recruit him into Flushy. And it's this juxtaposition where you have this guy who was traditionally brought up in the insurance space, you know, cold calling and, and focusing on relationships to trying to navigate through a company that is all about raising their next round of funding, is all about, you know, user growth and thinks they know everything about sales because they have an artificially intelligent sales robot. And it's, it's just everything that he experienced and you flip it on its head. And what does that look like? And how does he try to operate through that? And, and you see him fail his way to success, basically. He failed his way to the top of this company through, you know, random occurrences, a little bit of his own hard work, and some things that he probably shouldn't have seen in the first place. And, and really exploring those questions with him. You know, what, what would he do to get that dream job? What would he do to keep it? Would he steal? Would he lie? Would he embellish? Would he exaggerate? Would he maybe look the other way when something terrifying happened? And, and what would you do to keep that? Like, you know, if the company you work for did something so egregious, so unethical, you know, what would you do about it? Would you be the martyr? You know, would you be the person that was the whistleblower? The person that tried to end it all? I mean, you have expenses, you have a mortgage, you have a family, like, are you going to give that up? And then what are the odds of getting hired again, right? So all these questions have to go through his head. And I, I thought it was really interesting to explore it from that avenue, like seeing him from that principal position, from that stubborn position as an insurance agent, transitioning through this world he doesn't even understand or grasp. And then how much is he willing to bend on those principles? Is he willing to break those principles? And what does that say about him as a person, right? So those are all like the questions I wanted to, to go through and have the character go through. And I think I did a pretty decent job and, and the ending I'm not going to give away the ending, but if you've seen the movie Army of Darkness with Bruce Campbell, the way that movie ends, there, there's a similar ending minus all the zombies. <laughs> there's a similar ending to how I wanted to end Flushy um, and, and complete the, the arc for Mike Allen in this book. So Mike Allen, when you're writing this character of Mike Allen, number one, uh, I'm guessing you're your intention was to write Mike Allen as a you know relatable guy that we like, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that we want to root for him to succeed. Yeah. And I'm guessing you also write him as, as someone that makes you think of what would I do in this situation? Exactly. How would I handle the pressure? How would I handle the situations? Would I look the other way? What would I do? And, and for what amount of money, too, comes into play, right? And to, and to, to bring it back to that, it's, it's, I wanted to write him to be extremely relatable to anyone who's experienced a similar situation where you've gone from a really low point to a really high point, and then maybe back to the low point, uh, you know, anyone who's had to kind of work their way up in a company or work their way through the bottom rungs uh, of even the insurance industry, what, what does that look like? What does that experience entail? Um, how much rejection do you have to go through? And, and that's what makes it so relatable is you see him go through rejection after rejection after rejection. You see him go from literally waiting tables to becoming an insurance agent to going through exiting an insurance agency and going through 
all the things that are, are part of a, a giant company that he wasn't used to and had no concept of before. Um, even little things that may not, maybe like misnomers, like HR things that he encounters, uh, relationship things, you know, the cultural differences from a, a giant company to a company with like 20 people in it, kind of viewing that dynamic too, I thought was really interesting. You know, because working in a small business has its perks and working in a large business has its perks. And they both have completely different, radically different cultures usually from like accountability to training to your job function to how people talk about you or with you and exploring all those little aspects of what, what it means to, to work for those two different types of companies in, in the insurance industry. Okay, so, and I find that interesting. Uh, again, um, when, you're, when you're writing this book and you've got Mike Allen and we've already established that he is, you know, the everyday man that we relate to that built his way up and we've got the questions of what would you do to get your dream job and what would you do to keep it? And a lot of us may wrestle with those same questions. But throughout that uh, is, now, when you talk, every book has to have, you know, the villain or the other side of that. And again, I know um, just from talking to you in the past, I know you do have a love for our industry and you have a love for the, you know, the insurance industry as a whole and your clients and the people you work with. So was that a difficult thing to write? And who is the villain, the insurance industry, or is the villain a boss or is the villain, what is, you know, the, the villain in that, so to speak? I think there's a lot of ways to view who the, the true villain of the book is, of the story. Um, in, in some ways, the villain of the story is Mike Allen's own ego. That, that really could be viewed as the villain of the story. Grappling with his devil on his right and his angel on his left, really, if, if you want to think of it that way. The insure tech space could be the villain of the story, depending on your viewpoint, right? So if you're a diehard insurance agent, relationships are always going to matter, blah, 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 blah. Which I'm, I got one foot in that, in that camp, to be honest with you. Um, the villain could be insure tech, right? The villain could be his boss initially, right? If you could take that perspective, his initial boss at the agency even becomes the villain. The villain could be his new boss when he takes over. There, there, there's, a, there's a few ways to view who the true kind of antagonist of the book is. The way I wanted to write it though, it's, it's his internal struggle that really I think is the antagonist of the story. It, it's grappling with all these different issues. It's his own ego that he doesn't check and gets out of control. Um, so he's, he kind of gets in his own way at certain points in the book. And I, I think that's the way I'd like to view it, but it really depends on your perspective. And I think as people begin to read this and I already have a, a few people who give me feedback, there's, it's definitely gonna depend on your perspective when you're reading it, who the true villain is of the story. And I'm, I'm happy to hear where people's lens is and where they come from and, and how that view, how that kind of maybe shifted their view in certain ways. Yeah. Was that something that you, you had to struggle with being someone who does love our industry and someone who does work in our industry every day? Was that something you struggled with to say, after I write this, what kind of view are people going to have of Lorenzo? What, what are they going to see me as? Is it going to create some enemies or did you care about those kind of things? Now, honestly, I, I, I cared more about being accurate. You know, I wanted to make it as accurate as possible, but also a satire. And I, I didn't care too much about how people would view me after this because it is satirical in nature, right? I'm, I'm poking fun at our industry to shed light on our industry and, and to help better the industry overall. I think there's a place for insure tech. There's a place for the agent. 
there's a place for everyone at the table. But I think the dynamics of that, when it plays out fully in five, 10, 20 years, is going to dramatically look different than it is now. Just like how eight years ago, when these companies start entering the market, it looks dramatically different from a market share point of view than it did back then. So I, I think overall, I, I'm happy to write because if I could have one person go, I really enjoyed that story, that's all worth it to me more than the criticism that I'll probably get. Uh, you know, do criticism too. Like people have opinions and that's great. And I think they should share them. But I think overall, when I look at it, if I can make one person happy from reading this, it'll be successful regardless of the ramifications because I do love this industry and I think there's so much exciting opportunity that comes with working in the insurance industry that no one ever talks about. And we need more fresh blood in the industry. And if someone reads this book and you know, maybe they're in high school or college and go, oh yeah, it's pretty interesting, it was fun to read. Maybe I'll join the insurance industry. That to me would be a successful book. Like even if one person decides to change their career path and go into insurance and explore the options, you know, there's so many options in our industry. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And I did notice in, and I'm sure this was intentional, but I'm looking here at the, at the book and it's flushy, a tale of corporate satire in the insurance industry. So you make sure in the title, yeah, people know when they're reading this, this is a satire. Yeah. Don't take it too seriously. It's a satire. It's meant to poke fun at what we do in, in a, in a, in a completely exaggerated way. It's, it's so exaggerated and so preposterous as a plot that there's no way anyone could think, oh, that's a real company or that really happened or Mike Allen's a real person, blah, blah, blah. You know, it, 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 and I thought by doing that, like just making it very explicit, like, hey, this is satire, like don't, don't get mixed up. <laughs> but also too, like corporate satire is a really niche area for writing. And I thought that because it's so niche, that'd be a good place for me to start. Like I want to start a series of books revolving around this character, Mike Allen, and corporate satire, I think, is a really good entry point for me because no one's really writing about it. And I think it's really fun to read, <laughs> just personally. Right. And, and that was my next question, and you beat me to it. Have you already began thinking of, you know, follow-up sequels, prequels, things like that to the book? Because, I, yeah, you know, obviously. This will be a series of three books. So the next one is going to be a zombie book. And the preceding one after that will be a uh, kind of murder mystery. So they're going to be com three completely different and distinguishable books that are interrelated with the same character throughout his, his life journey. And so a murder mystery and a zombie book yeah. built in the insurance space? No, completely different. Completely oh, okay. Different. So um, it will follow the same character, but as he gets flushed out of flushy per se, um, it's going to follow him on his next journey. And he'll stumble into like a zombie apocalypse book and then maybe murder mystery or something like that. Oh, wow. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. That is, uh, that is very interesting. Uh, it might, you know, make me think you might be a little crazy to, yeah, to do too. that. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, that's really interesting. So the book is called Flushy, a tale of corporate satire in the insurance industry. And right now you can get it is currently on Amazon right now. Yeah, it's currently on Amazon. The Audible version should be coming out relatively soon. Uh, I don't have an exact launch date for the Audible version. I'm still working with the narrator on that. But um, yeah, currently it's on Amazon. It's on Kindle. It's on Amazon for paperback. And I'd love for you guys to check it out. It was a labor of love over the last roughly three and a half years of writing. 
And if you love the insurance industry, I, I'd uh, love for your feedback too. Yes, yes. Uh, I, you know, I hope that people will check this out. Now, was okay. I'm trying to think. There was uh, uh, okay. Let me ask you this real quick before yeah. we get off here. So, when you when you write these books like this, yeah. do you envision your head? Uh, a a movie or a TV series coming out, and who would play Mike Allen in your head? Who would play Mike Allen? Um, I I probably prefer someone from like American Psycho to okay. someone who was already in a dark okay view of corporate America, like Jared Leto or someone like that. Not because I I envision that's what I look like in real life, but just because I think that. You need someone who could have that clean cut, wears a suit, kind of look to him. That's not current day Jared Leto, but he's, he's done it before in the past. So I, I think someone from that space who, who's already been there would, would be a good fit for, for Mike Allen, I would say. But a movie, that's a, that's a bit much. It'd be a fun movie, I think, overall. But um, maybe, maybe, yeah. even a, maybe even a Josh Lucas or a yeah. Christian Bale, maybe. Uh, yeah, could be. Yeah. That's that's fun. Um, you know, did you ever see Cedar Rapids? No, I haven't seen it. Okay. That was another insurance satire movie um, that was very interesting. And so I didn't know. There's a lot of them. You know, going back to, uh, you know, I think Double Indemnity. I mean, there's so many insurance related movies, especially with life insurance because of the, yeah. <laughs> really the financial motives that life insurance brings. You can make fun stories around them. Oh, you can. And, uh, you know, Ed Helms was in Cedar Rapids, played the mm -hmm. main character, and John C. Riley, very good movie. You need to oh, check nice. it out. Yeah, it was very interesting. Uh, but yeah, you're right. And I also go back to, was it um, Groundhog Day, where the guy yep. kept coming yep. down, the life insurance guy, Ned? Ned, yep. yeah. Oh, gosh. Okay. So, anyhow, now I'm just rambling. So, <laughs> um, because uh, I found it fascinating. And I wanted to know if you thought about that at all, about the, a movie, or you just thought about it as the book form for right now. Uh, definitely just a book for now. I mean, that'd be that'd be a blessing if, if someone came to me and wanted to yeah. make a movie out of Flushy or like a series or a television show. I think there's so much fun content to write about and to make content around, whether that's visual or written or whatever it is. I, I think there's a lot there for producers to look at and say, yeah, there's there's something here to explore. You know, our industry is is huge. It's one of the biggest sectors of any economy, nothing happens without insurance, nothing at all. You know, commerce would cease if there wasn't insurance for the most part. And I, I think it's a, it's an old industry too. You know, I think the first life insurance policies like, what does it go back to the 17th century? Something like that. You know, insurance is a, a very old concept. There's a lot of history there. There's a lot of mistakes that happened along the way. There's a lot of interesting scenarios that happened. There's a lot to explore for, for anyone to write about or make shows or movies, I think, ultimately, when you look at it. So, okay, so tell me, um, or tell the audience, tell whoever's listening to this, uh, do you have, uh, a, a, okay, so the Amazon, you told me that, is there a way that they want to contact you, or if they want to give you feedback, is there an email address, um, you know, that you might want to give out, or a, a link yeah, sure. or a Facebook so the, the best contact info, or the best way to give me feedback, is just review the book on Amazon, that's the best way. And that way other people can see your feedback too. If you want to make the feedback uh, personal and just to me, you can email me at LorenzoDetanti at gmail.com. Feel free to send me a quick email. Um, but really the best way is just review the book. 
good, bad, or ugly, whatever, whatever you liked about it or thought I could do better, I'd like to know because I take the feedback very seriously. Um, you know, as I go through and begin to craft the other two novels in the series, I want to know what you thought of the first one because that's the starting off point. What do I need to improve upon? What did you really like that you want more of? That's really important too. And any feedback's good feedback. I don't, I don't think there's such a thing as bad feedback. Even if I don't like the feedback, I need to hear perspectives because as I hear other perspectives, it's gonna really help me hone my craft and, and develop those other two novels in a way that'll have better appeal to the, the people reading them, so. Man, I, I truly appreciate you uh, coming to hang out with us in Insurance Town. Means a lot to me. <laughs> Uh, I hope that uh, the book does really well. I hope we're talking in a couple of years or whatever about, you know, the success of all three books and everything else. So I wish you the best of luck, Lorenzo. And again, thank you again for joining us. Keith, I really appreciate the time, buddy. Thanks so much for having me on. Yes, sir. Take care. Yes, you too. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for hanging out with me and Lorenzo today on the show. We had a cool conversation. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it brought a little uh, a little something to your day today. Keep on the lookout. We've got to have a lot more episodes coming out. We've got some really cool podcasts uh, that we've been recording and we've got scheduled to record. Uh, stay on the lookout. Please uh, go if you haven't done it yet. Subscribe to the show. Uh, go find us on uh, LinkedIn and Facebook uh, under Insurance Town Podcast or Insurance Town and uh, subscribe or like our pages as well so you can find out when new content comes out. This episode was edited, recorded, and produced by my friends over at Ready, Set, Podcast. Ready, Set, Podcast, turning your brilliant idea into a reality. Thanks again, guys, and I'll see you again on Thursday.